Bibles, I'm just going to ask if you would go ahead and stand with me. And we're going to, we're going to uh, look at a different place. We have been reading out Ephesians 5, and we've been looking at verse number 15 for several weeks here, just as the reminder, the central theme of our text or our, our, our central text for, for this sermon series that we have been preaching. We've been preaching on the walk, the wisdom, and the will of God. And we have been spending some time and we have started to delve into the wisdom. What is godly wisdom and, and what does godly wisdom look like? Uh, how does one acquire godly wisdom? And so we have been looking at these things together. And uh, tonight, if I may, I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of James, chapter number 1. The book of James, chapter number 1. And we're going to look here uh, starting at verse number 5. James, chapter 1, and starting at verse number 5. And we're going to read a couple of verses. And we're going to be using this place tonight here in Scripture as uh, we are going to uh, finish up this particular point that we had been preaching on uh, in regards to wisdom. Uh, Here, a couple of weeks back, our first message on wisdom was simply titled, To Get Wisdom. As the Word of God teaches us, it said, Wisdom is the principal thing. And as we are... Uh, getting, says, with all of our getting, get understanding. And so we were talking about, number one, understanding that it must be paramount, preeminent in our life, that wisdom is a necessity. As Brother Danny, the Word of God tells us there, it's the principal thing, and to get it, to acquire it. And as a result, Uh, Here, not last week due to Kids Crusade, but the week before that, we had been uh, on the subject of how how do we get this wisdom? If we understand that it is the principal thing, that we must have it and must exercise godly wisdom, well then how do we acquire it? Well, the Word of God gave us a very simple explanation. That's what I appreciate about the gospel, is it is its simplicity. It is not meant so it's so far over our heads where we are constantly never attaining or never knowing. But it simply was this, Sister Kimberly, and that was to ask God, to ask God for wisdom. And so we have spent a little bit of time last week on that, and we're going to finish up and, and do our best to step into this, uh, this other point. But James chapter, James chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. And if you're there with me, would you say amen? The Bible says here, if any of you lack wisdom, here it is, let him ask of God. Isn't that simple? Let him ask of God. Now listen to this, that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, or withholdeth not, and it shall be given him. Verse 6, look at the condition here. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind 
and tossed. And so tonight as we look at this, we're going to, as I mentioned, we're going to pick up here again on this subject of wisdom, but how do we acquire, how do we attain it? And that is the simple answer is we must ask of God. And would you help us pray tonight? Father, once again, we thank you for every heart and life represented. As always, we thank you for your presence, your anointing. We thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray you would anoint our hearts and ears tonight. Help us to hear you. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. Let the word of God be planted deep within our hearts. I ask, oh Lord, that that planting be in the fertile soil of our soul, and let it produce those good fruits of righteousness. Lord, those fruits of the Spirit in our lives. And Father, we thank you for all of these things, and we ask it tonight in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated tonight. Have you ever had a discussion with somebody, and they shared with you a particular need? They shared with you something that they were lacking. And there in the conversation, maybe that you saw as a result of what they were lacking, they had a difficult time. Maybe something they were trying to do was left undone. They went without. They didn't have the necessary things in order to accomplish the task that they were after. And while they are talking to you as they begin to share about what their need was... It just nearly jumps out of you in conversation and, say, and you would say something like, I had what you needed. I had what you needed. And maybe you even followed it up with a statement like this, I wish you would have just asked. Anybody ever done that before? I wish you just would have asked. I had such and such. I had the right tool or I had the ingredient. I had the ability or the availability in order to help to meet the need. And sometimes we come to find that we are going without and that we are struggling or we do not have simply because we are not asking. I had made mention here a couple of weeks ago that with the simplicity of what that sounds like, to ask of God. We have to understand that sometimes that we are, if you will allow me to say so, we are asking the wrong questions. Sometimes we are asking things in such a way that we ask certain questions because in our minds we have predetermined answers. We have predetermination as to, or should I say, what we are wanting the answer to be. How we are wanting God to do something. How we are believing something to play out. And then there are times that when we ask of God certain things, there are some things that He makes a requirement of us. There is responsibility that we must have. There are things that we have to take a look at in ourselves and say, this is something I should be doing better. This is something where I am lacking. And sometimes the truth of the matter is there are some things
things that we are not asking God about because we are dead set on having it our way. If you remember, we talked about and categorized what foolishness was. And foolishness stems from the fact that when when we are so hard-headed and we are so bent on something being our way, when we look at ourselves and we think that we are self-sufficient, where we are so independent of any kind of help, and yet we look at certain things in our lives and we recognize and see that maybe they are falling apart, that maybe it is not working. As a matter of fact, just uh, it was actually in, in joking I was telling somebody the other day, they said, I've been doing this, and I've been doing this, and it, and it just seems to no avail. And I, and I told him, Brother Gary, I quoted that verse where Christ is speaking to the disciples, and it says that those disciples had been fishing at night, and Brother Chad, they cast their nets on one side, and they cast their nets on the other side, and the Bible says they were toiling all night long they were wore out they had nothing to show for in their nets and here comes Jesus and brother Wesley he asked the question he said children have ye any meat have you caught anything do you have anything and I think of when Christ asked that question I can see them nearly roll their eyes I can hear them them huff and puff under their breath. What do you mean have we called anything? As a matter of fact, it was Peter who said, we've been toiling all night because the Lord told him. He said, I want you to cast your net on the right side of the ship. And, and Peter's response was, well, said, we've done it that side, left side, we've done it on the front, the back. I've even tried underneath, Lord. I don't know. I've tried all kind of bait. Brother Marvin, he tried worms and crickets and minnows and maybe some spinner baits. I don't know. I'm being a little facetious, but you get what I'm saying. Have you ever been there when you've run through your whole tackle box and there ain't been nothing that you pulled out? Oh, and we come to find that they that the Lord asks a question, he says, because their argument was, we've tried everything. But he said, well, do you have anything to show for it? And I was, I was quoting that scripture to this individual because they kept saying, and we was trying this and trying that. So I said, well, chil- children, do you have any meat? Do-, do you have anything to show for all that effort? And I say that to say this, and this is what Christ was referring to in that statement is the fact that you have tried it your way, you have done it your way, but how is that working for you? Amen. And that is hard, a hard question to deal with. When we are looking at our life and the propensity is, and that's why there's so much blame cast on everybody else. That's why wives want to blame husbands and husbands' wives and husbands and wives the children and the children the parents and the parents the schools and the schools the government. and every, I mean, everybody's got somebody they're wanting to blame. But the truth of the matter is, is that in our lives, it is a hard thing to take personal responsibility and say, really, how is this working for me? Because what I thought I had control 
control of, I don't. What I thought I had the answers to, I don't have. And so therefore in this, when we take a look at the necessity of godly wisdom, when we understand that we have to be operating and exercising in godly wisdom because God does not want us to be without. He does not want us to have a life where we are constantly failing, where there are things constantly falling apart, where there are things that are going on that create trouble and drama and everything else. I want you to understand what God is trying to reiterate to us as his children is the very fact and the same thing that Jesus himself spoke when he said, without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. But the church, so to speak, has reached this pinnacle of enlightenment. We have boxed God in on our Sundays and our Wednesdays. And we have Him painted in the corner of our programs. And we have Him in these different compartments and these little things. And we think on certain things He can work, but in other things He cannot work. But the truth of the matter is, is that when we take a look at situations in our lives where we are struggling and as to where we are needing, we need the wisdom of God at work in our lives because here's the truth. I think if I were to take a poll tonight and everybody who was honest, that we could honestly all raise our hands and say, there are things that I'm up against. There are things that I'm right in the middle of. There are things that are going on that I need the Lord's direction how to handle it, how to operate, what to do. Can I just say this, just the very basics, the very basics, I can just speak from the heart of a husband and a father, not to mention church or other responsibilities, just to be the husband and father that God would want me to be. Brother Keith, I can't do that on my own. I have to have the Lord's help. I have to operate in wisdom because inside of my home there are two other souls that are there that are looking to me as a leader in that home, as a priest of that home. And therefore, I must, I cannot afford, amen, to just try to tackle and accomplish life on my own. And not just me, friend, but that's for all of us. There are things right now where you are having severe disappointment. There are things as to where you are utterly disappointed. Where your frustration levels at an all-time high. What do I do, Brother Jake? What is it that I need? Uh, what is it that must be accomplished? Let me say this. There must be a request. There must be a desire. There has to be a prayer. There's got to be an ask for God to endue with wisdom from His Word and from His Spirit so that we are able to navigate this thing called life. It's a necessity, not just in our living, but also in our warfare. We are warring and fighting against the wiles of the devil every single day. 
The word of God said, the apostle Paul said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, of his devices, of Satan's devices. Now listen, listen to me. Through your carnal mind and through your natural eye, you do not always recognize the enemy's work. It takes a different perspective. It takes another level of discernment and sensitivity. And how do you say that, Brother Jacob? That sounds almost offensive as if you're saying that we're not capable. You forget I've been saved 65 years. You forget I've been full of the Holy Ghost the same amount of that. You forget I have this title and that title. No, here's what I'm saying. Because from the pulpit to the back pew, the truth of the matter is, is if we were always exercising wisdom in spiritual matters, we wouldn't be making the mess that we make a lot of times in spiritual matters. We would handle it with a different level of maturity. We would handle people with a different level of compassion. We would serve with a different level of humility and meekness. We would live in a greater capacity realizing that what we do, what we say, how we live is impacting lives around us. But we oftentimes take these things very lightly. We oftentimes live within ourselves and only look to ourselves. And so in saying this, I want to remind you that to ask of God. It says, if any man lacks wisdom. You've probably seen, you know, a show or a parody or something of that nature. Where somebody goes on a trek to get wisdom. They'll climb up into the mountains, the snow-capped mountains, to find some old man sitting there meditating with a, a beard that runs down, you know, past his knees. And he's got snow-white hair. And, and they go up and they say something like, what's the meaning of life? Or, you know, what, what, what's the answer I'm looking for? And those kinds of things as to, as to depict or embody some kind of, some kind of guru who's going to give us wisdom, some kind of person who's going to give us the answer that we're looking for and we might smirk at that and laugh and say well that's Hollywood or that's just that's just foolishness brother Jacob but the truth is is how many times in our lives that when we are to be asking God for wisdom we are asking everybody else's opinion we are trying to seek out everybody else's know-how we want to know what that preacher said or this person did or what this thing was I'm not here to say that you can't pick up and learn some things from other people. But can I say that one place where the church has it all wrong is when we have been in pursuit of men's, man's opinion over what verses what God has to say about the situation. Can I say tonight, I love you friend, I love you brother and I love you sister, but at the end of the day, if I'm going to see a real change in my life, if I'm really going to get real direction. I can't waste my time taking a Facebook poll or seeing what 25 other pastors have to say because Brother Christian, I'll get 25 different answers. But he said if you lack wisdom, then there's only one place to go. He said go to God. Ask Him. He will give it to you and when He gives it to you, He gives it to you liberally. Liberally. Why? Because, Brother Gary, as I was reading that and studying over that, the thing that dropped in my heart was this, is because God never does anything halfway. 
He never does. When God does something for you, He gives you His best, Brother Chad. You never walk away from an encounter with God and say, well, I just really wish there would have been a little bit more to that. I just wish, I'm just a little disappointed because I mean God really, he, he really slighted me this time. No, when God moves and God answers prayer and when God speaks, he does so liberally. And the Bible says he upbraideth not, he doesn't withhold. Brother Christian, it's not the fact that God's sitting somewhere in some place and dangling things in front of us and we chase them and we try to apprehend them but we can't and he laughs and he snickers at us in our trouble and our trial. No, he wants us to apprehend. He wants us to grab a hold. He wants us to exercise these things. And so therefore we ask of God. We ask of him. The world has a set of rules, a set of morals, a set of guidelines that change Every day. Have you noticed that the world is always pushing the envelope? The world is what is legal today will be illegal tomorrow. Or what is illegal today will be legal tomorrow. We are finding that through legislation, that through programs, that through various things, the rudiments of the world, those thinking themselves to be wise, yet they became as fools. We see the world system and the world's idea of common sense and worldly wisdom. It is a trap. It is deadly. It will lead you into destruction. I mean, we have now more than ever, we have a generation of people. There's identity crisis. How in the world are we going to take wisdom and insight from a society that cannot define what a man is and can't define what a woman is? How in the world are we going to take insight? How are we going to take insight from a world as to where one day this is okay, but tomorrow we just don't know. We're going to look and see if we need to change the rules. Can I say that in a life that is ever changing, we must anchor our soul upon the righteous, steadfast, infallible Word of God and apply it to our lives. When we apply it to our lives, and how can you do that? Oh, I know they'll say we're narrow-minded, Tobin. They'll say that I am not compassionate enough. There's somebody out there who thinks I'm a big religious bigot or jerk. But I'll say this. At the end of the day, I don't have to sway with the world's moral compass. I don't have to be tossed to and fro. I don't have to get my news from some knucklehead on the television who has no clue from up and down but I can look at God's word I can stand on his promise because here's what I've come to learn let all men be liars and God himself be true thanks be to God for his unchanging infallible word and in that wealth of his word wisdom is to be found and so here's where I say the dilemma is when it comes to the ask is because just about everybody under the sound of my voice, you have been around the Word. You have been in His presence on many, many occasions.
Therefore, we do not have any permission to look at certain things and say, well, I didn't know any better. The truth is, is that we do know better. And so can I just plainly say what God's Word says? Now, this is a mouthful, but just let me put it out there. For him who knows to do right and doeth it not, to him it's a sin. To him it's a sin. You mean, Brother Jacob, I mean, I know I'm hard-headed and I know it takes me a little bit longer than somebody else to come around to a certain point and to apply a certain principle. But I'm going to say this, when we willfully reject what we know to be truth and how to pursue it, and we still look up and there's all this pain and problem and sin that is produced in our lives, let me tell you, friend, there's no other way around it. We knew better and we didn't do it. We knew better and we didn't do it. I think I can honestly say as I look across this house on this Wednesday night, there's not a one person in here who tonight if you stood before God would be able to say, well, Lord, I just didn't know. That's not true. I'm looking at a mature and seasoned group of believers that's in here. And we all know better. And so can I say this? If we know better, church, we have to do better. We have to do better. And it starts with asking God. It starts with seeking Him. Do you lack wisdom? Are you lacking godly wisdom? Are you lacking in exercising godly wisdom? Because here's the thing. It is not enough to know the Word and it is not enough to hear the Word. The Word of God says this. Don't just be a hearer of the Word, but you've got to be a doer of it. You've got to put it into practice. And so when we talk about godly wisdom, it has to be exercised. It is a spiritual muscle. It is not enough, church, to attend and get all excited when Brother Jake raises his voice or jumps up on the pew and everybody says amen and shouts and, and, and hoops and hollers and we hear the word and we hear the word and we hear the word, but we leave here and we never apply the word. I'm here to tell you that I have a responsibility as pastor to present the word you have responsibility as parishioner to hear the word and apply the word to your life to put it into practice we've got churches full of people and we know every song and we can quote every scripture and we can do every formality and we're religious oh but God help us that once again we would practice the word of God that we would grab a hold of it its importance and say God let me live it every single day let me live it our lives are in disarray because we don't live the word of God our homes are in disarray because we do not practice the word of God our churches are without power and in disarray when we are not abiding by the word of God his word is life his word is wisdom. And so as we look at these things, you must understand that's necessity. We must ask. We must ask. We find that Elijah had told Elisha when he had wanted to follow after that prophet of God and that mantle was going to be passed to Elisha. You might remember the words of Elijah when he said of him, he said, you ask God for a hard thing. 
You ask God for a hard thing. Let me say this. Have you ever been at a place where somebody has told you, don't pray for patience? Anybody ever told you that? Somebody would say, I just need more patience. And somebody gets real deer in the headlight look and they stare at you and they say, don't pray for patience. They almost whisper it to you like it's cold, like it's a secret. Don't you, don't you do that. Don't, don't bring up that word. Don't you say that. As soon as God hears you say that, get ready. Has anybody been told that before? Have you ever heard that before? Have you, don't raise your hand on this one. Have you ever forewarned somebody about that before? Oh, be careful. I, I want more patience. I want, let me just say this. Let me say this, when we ask God for wisdom, I want you to understand is that maybe right now, could it be tonight that some of the situations that you are in, some of the upheaval that's going on, some of the things that you've got questions about, could it be that as you ask God for wisdom, I want to assure you that just as the old adage of you pray for patience, there's going to be opportunities to practice it. There's going to be situations to where wisdom is going to need to be exercised. Listen to me, men. It's not just the average trouble on the job. It's not just the average situation in the home, ladies, or on the job, or with the kids, or with the school, or with the finances, or with friendships and relationships. Let me tell you that you might be staring at some of these things because God is saying, I'm ready for you to exercise wisdom. Because the truth is, Sister Amy, we will never go any further than the thing that we're dealing with at the moment, whether we get past that or not, whether we handle that or not. Now, I know that this isn't shout me down kind of preaching, but I'm just telling you is that it is powerful and it is true and it will be a help to you. The Word of God says this in Matthew 7 and 7, ask and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And all things, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. Matthew 21 and 22. First John 3 and 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him, because we keep His commandments, and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. I want you to understand, godly wisdom is so much more moral than carnal knowledge. It is not only applied knowledge, both physical and spiritual, that displays itself in a physical manner, but it is coupled with understanding that our decisions have eternal ramifications. Eternal ramifications. We have to realize, church, moms and dads, husbands and wives, church member, church leadership, we have to understand that what we do, what we exercise, what we practice, it has eternal weight to it. It has eternal weight to it. And godly wisdom recognizes this. Godly wisdom denies the flesh, recognizes the eternal, and commits itself to glory Christ in every choice. James 3, verses 13 through 18, and if you will allow me, I'm going to read this from the Amplified Version. For study, a lot of times I love the Amplified Version of Scripture, and it just gives a, a, a little bit of a breakdown. And I just, I love the, the definitions here, and so I want to read this to you. 
It says, this is James 3, 13 through 18. Who among you is wise and intelligent? Let him by his good conduct show his good deeds with gentleness and humility of true wisdom. I want you to catch that. He associates true wisdom with good conduct, good deeds, gentleness, and humility. It says this, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be arrogant, and as a result, as a result, be in defiance of the truth. This superficial wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it is earthly or secular, natural, unspiritual, even demonic. The King James there says devilish. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, listen to this, there is disorder, unrest, rebellion, and every evil thing and morally degrading practice. Boy, that's pretty, pretty stout right there. But the wisdom from above is first pure, morally and spiritually undefiled, peace-loving, courteous, considerate, gentle, reasonable. Here's a good one. Willing to listen. Full of compassion and good fruits. It is unwavering without self-righteous hypocrisy and self-serving guile. And the seed whose fruit is righteous, spiritual maturity is sown in peace by those who make peace. Actively encouraging goodwill between individuals. We find here that one definition of wisdom, earthly wisdom, produced fruits of the flesh. But godly wisdom produce fruits of the Spirit. And so in this, we have to understand that heaven-sent wisdom is spiritual and it deals with eternal truths. And anyone who seeks this wisdom will be dealt with in spirit and will have to be willing to, listen to this, accept God's eternal truths or else godly wisdom will have no effect. I want you to understand that when we look at this and, and as we know that we, we need wisdom, we need His direction, we need His guidance. And it's not just for the self-serving purpose of me, myself, and I, and what am I going to do? What do I need to do in life? What do I need to be in life? But did you notice that the book of James refers to the fact that godly wisdom encompasses our relationships with other people? It encompasses the way that we are in our character, in gentleness, in humility, in compassion, in spiritual purity, in having a mind that goes beyond ourselves and reaches out to somebody else. Can I say this? God gives liberally not only because He doesn't do things halfway, but He gives you enough so that the truth of the matter is this is what God requires of us. As we have re freely received, we must freely give. And so, therefore, we come to find, Sister Kimberly, the Word of God, it reminds us over and over again that the elderly, that our, that our leaders, that our elderly, that the, the aged men and women, what are they called to do within the body? They are to be distributing wisdom to the young. They are to be sharing. And so, can I say this, is that wisdom is not grumpy. 
Wisdom is not staring down our self-righteous noses and saying, well, if it were me, I'd do this and not that. Bunch of dumb kids. I can't believe that. I can't believe them. I can't believe they'd do this. And I, I understand that with some age comes a little bit of wisdom. That with some age comes a little bit of hindsight as 2020. But can I say this? Let me just be sure that we are aware that wisdom is not grumpy and self-serving and judgmental. But it's compassionate. Here's a big one. It's patient. It's patient. It's kind. It's looking at somebody. It's a sister Rivier willing to take somebody under their wing and to help, to pray for, to encourage, to uplift. Can I say this is that most of the time when somebody's falling short or somebody's not making the mark, a lot of times they know it. They know it. And so it doesn't take you coming around, quote-unquote, exercising godly wisdom does not mean putting on boxing gloves and going over and punching the lights out of somebody. Now, you know that in the physical, but I'm also talking emotionally and spiritually. There have been times in dealing with people who, quote-unquote, were exercising godly wisdom that, Brother Segura, I left defeated more than I left encouraged. Because all they did was establish a soapbox to tell us all how wrong we all are and how right they are. That's not godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is not walking around like we are uber spiritual and we don't have time for little people. It is not walking around with this look on our face of pride and self-exaltation and everybody else that where in your mind nobody meets up to your standard. Nobody is as spiritual as you. Nobody prays like you. Nobody reads the word like you. Nobody does like you. Oh, but I tell you, Brother Jake, the world would be better if they did, if there was a whole more like me. Oh, no. Thanks be to God, there's only one Jacob Smith. Thanks be to God there's only one Chad Wilson thanks be to one there's only one Christian Blewett because the world can only handle one of all of us come on here I'm telling you right now be careful because godly wisdom is not parading in the church strutting our spiritual peacock feathers and letting everybody know just who we are and where we stand no sir no ma'am but godly wisdom is brokenness godly wisdom is contrition godly wisdom is a man or a woman who's laid their life on the altar. Godly wisdom is somebody exercising the word of God and doing it with a spirit of humility. The disciples, children, Brother Christian, were coming up to Jesus. Parents were bringing their children to him, asking him to lay his hands on them and bless them. And the disciples, the Bible says... They were trying to shoo him away as if they were a pest. Hey, hey, get, get back. Get back. You're too loud around here. Get back. You, you're, you're bothering Jesus. Quit stepping on a sandal. Quit, quit tugging on his robe. Quit asking him to pray for you. You need to get over here and find your place. He ain't got time for all this. And Jesus said, hey, time out. I'm paraphrasing, of course. He said, you see these children? He said, you let them come to me. 
He said, because of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he said, as a matter of fact, he said, let me just tell you how the cow eats the cabbage. If one of these kids are offended, it'd be better for you to tie a millstone, or let's put it in today's term, a concrete block around your neck and go jump in the ocean. So before you got offended, somebody told you sometime, just go take a jump in the lake. Right? Jesus told them a long time ago. He said, if you offend these children, he said, it's better for you to go do that. He said, because there's a price to pay if you offend. What did that represent, Brother Gary? It represented the meekness of God. Godly wisdom. He had time and compassion for people. So let me say this, Brother Danny, if you'd come. Sister Carolyn, as I close. I know tonight this isn't Super excitable, but I'm giving you truth that you can apply. I'm giving you some things that we can look at as the Word of God. First of all, as we see what is going on in our lives, what is going on, what right now are you confronted, confronted with? The truth of the matter is, is that there are some of us that where we serve, where we live, where we do our jobs, the people, Brother Coleman, that we come in contact with, what has to happen is there must be an exercising of godly wisdom around these people that we are around. To be able to step into somebody's life or to step into a situation and say, how can this be made better? How can I serve here better? What can I do here better? And the qu Because, see, the, the truth is, is that I want you to listen to that question versus a lot of times we look at certain things and say, what do I get out of this? How does this benefit me? Have you noticed in the world around us today, has anybody besides me seen parents out in public, parents on their phone, a good 20 feet ahead of their kids, and got little babies just running behind, nobody paying no attention to them, nobody not minding anything. You say, oh, Brother Jake, come on. You just talked about being nice, being sweet. Don't be bringing that stuff up. No, but here's what I'm saying. We live in a generation... Everybody's so selfish. Could care less. It's about we often, and that bleeds into the church, and it bleeds into our walk with God because we have gotten to the place where so many times it is about I will do certain things as long as it benefits me. I will take part in this. I will serve here. I will take this position. I will do this thing as long as somewhere along the way my flesh is going to feel good about it. Pastor, I've got to feel good about it. I've got to feel good. You better pat my back. You better, you better inflate the ego. You better, you better make sure. But that, that's plaguing the church world, and it bleeds into our homes. And that's why, that's why we have marriages on the brink. It's because we got spouse, got husbands and wives are in it for themselves. Somebody told me, they said... They was talking about marriage, and they said, well, you know marriage is 50-50. I said, you're wrong. I said, you're wrong. They looked at me all bewildered, you know, because we've heard that statements like that our lives. And I said, you're wrong. I said, divorce is 50-50. Am I right, Brother Chris? I did mar premarital counseling with that couple, so they're hearing some stuff that I told them. Divorce is 50-50. I said, but marriage is a hundred, a hundred. 
relationships with others. There are pieces and parts of you that have yet to be discovered because whether knowingly or unknowingly, we hold certain things back. We're not asking God, God, would you give me wisdom? Grandmas, grandpas, your grandbabies need wisdom. Your grandchildren, they need somebody godly in their life who's praying for them, holding them up. Even when they're as wild as a, bu- a, a buck and bronco. Even when, they, when they, it seems like they don't want care, they don't want to know, we need, we need folks who are operating in godly wisdom. Your employer needs somebody on the job who's working in godly wisdom. Your children need parents that have godly wisdom. Your schools, your, I mean, the list can go on and on. This church, we need a body of believers that is walking in godly wisdom. Do you realize that when we talk about outreach and impacting the community, a lot of people think that it's something that has to happen on this parking lot or an event from this church. Did you know the greatest outreach and impact in our community in the Golden Triangle is going to be, Brother Pickens, individual lives that go out and are making a difference? It's Brother Andy's in the Beaumont School District. It's Brother Aaron, and he's got somebody strapped in at 30,000 feet, and they can't get out the door if he starts telling them about Jesus. Come on, somebody. It's work. It's, it's electrical work. It's in the homeless camps. It's, it's in the plants, and, and it's in the places as to where it's meeting people, Brother Chad, on the worst days of their life. to exercise godly wisdom. And when it makes an impact, man, it draws people. It draws people to Christ. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. So can I just reiterate, let's ask Him for it. Ask Him for it. And can I say that, Brother Chris, when the challenge comes in life, don't run from it. Don't avoid it. Don't throw your hands up and say, I didn't know life was going to be this hard. It could very well be God is trying to give you an opportunity to practice that wisdom that you've been praying for. To practice that. We're going to delve more into that. But tonight, can we bow our heads all over this house? Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you give to us liberally. You don't withhold. Lord, you don't tease. You don't... don't tuck back and hide it from us but Lord if we are willing to ask if we are willing to apply if we are willing to pursue after wisdom then Lord we know that your word says you will give it and maybe tonight there are some that are in some tough places spiritually maybe some in some situations in their homes and their hearts and relationships on jobs Lord, the list goes on and on, but tonight you're looking for those who will ask for godly wisdom and who will exercise godly wisdom. Lord, maybe tonight there are some under the sound of my voice who they are in a position right right now and it's produced frustration, aggravation, hardship, and it's been doing that because we're trying to attack it from our vantage point, from our strength. But tonight, Lord, we need you tonight Lord let our requests be Lord what would you say about this give me ears to hear a heart to understand and let me let me apply it unto godly wisdom help me to see 
Help me to know. Father, I thank you tonight for every heart and life. Tonight, church, if simply your prayer is this, Lord, I need more, more wisdom. I need to know that I'm up against situations I don't know how to handle. I don't know what to do. That is not weakness, friend. That is not weakness. That is not saying that you're a failure. As a matter of fact, the Word of God says that in our weakness, His strength is made perfect. Perfect. So if that's us tonight, can we come and find ourselves a place around these altars? Can we come tonight and just seek the Lord and say, Father, would you help me tonight? Would you help me as a man, as a woman, as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, as a grandparent? Would you help me as an employee or an employer? Would you help me, Lord, in my home? Would you help me in my community? Would you help me, Lord? There's, you, there's people you placed around me that, that I, I bear influence with. There are those situations that tonight, Lord, I, I need your wisdom. I need your direction. I need your help. Lord, would you help me? Lord, would you speak to me? Father, would you help me to take a long look in the Word of God? Would you help me to be a man, a woman, a prayer to say, God, only you can change me. Only you can help me. Oh, Jesus, I love you tonight. Lord, let us realize it's not just by hearing. But, Lord, we've got to do. We've got to practice. We've got to exercise the Word of God. We've got to exercise exercise godly wisdom oh jesus would you change